Well, this morning we return to our public scripture reading, which is Psalm 44. And as we have heard the last several weeks, as we have been working through the 44th Psalm, Psalm 44 is a psalm of lament, but it is not, as I have said, the lamentation of an individual. It is rather the grieving of a congregation of God's people who are perplexed over why the Lord has withheld his blessing from them, despite how faithful they have been to the Lord. Their question to God is essentially, why, O Lord, do you meet fidelity with disaster? But this question we must not understand as one of unbelief. It is a query rooted in hope that God will return. One might could say that Psalm 44 leaves us hanging, as it were, in suspense. In the closing verses, which are verses 23 to 26, we see what could be called the plea of faith. The plea of faith. The Lord has not yet answered the urgent petitions of the sons of Korah. Thus we find them here at the end crying out with greater gravity for God to return. And we see their faith expressed here in three different ways. First, it is accusing. It is accusing. Looking at verses 23 and 24, they say unto the Lord, Awake! Why are you sleeping, O Lord? Rouse yourself. Do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face? Why do you forget our affliction and oppression? There is an anguish here over the apparent absence of God. It reminds us and is reminiscent of the disciples crying out to Jesus in Mark 4.38. Teacher, don't you care that we are perishing? You remember that? Remember the circumstances? They're out on the Sea of Galilee. The storm is overwhelming them. They're fearing they're about to sink. And what is Jesus doing? He's sleeping. He's sound asleep, undisturbed by the chaos, by the disaster that is befalling his disciples. And so his disciples rush to the hull of the ship, find the Lord sleeping, and they say, Don't you even care? Don't you even care that we are perishing? But God seems to allow us to address him like this in our despair. And why would that be? Because, beloved, 
It reveals exactly where our faith really is. It shows where our faith really is. And so here in Psalm 44, you don't see the sons of Korah departing from God. They're running to the Lord. They're crying out to him. They're showing true faith. True faith. They're showing where their, where their confidence is truly anchored. Again, it's not unbelief. There is no unbelief in this entire psalm. The sons of Korah are saying, Lord, where are you? You are our only hope. No different than the, than the disciples. They're on the Sea of Galilee. Because there was nothing they could do. There was nothing they could do to rescue themselves from the storm that was overwhelming them. And so where do they go? They go to Jesus. They go to Jesus. They turn to the Lord. So we see then that the faith in Psalm 44 is an accusing faith. But second, we also see that it is clinging. It is a clinging faith. Verse 26, rise up, come to our help. Redeem us for the sake of your steadfast love. For the sake of your steadfast love. It's interesting that Psalm 44 ends there. Again, as I've already pointed out, God hasn't answered their prayer. He's, I mean, we're, we're being left with no answer from the Lord. But the sons of Korah, in verse 26, they remember who God is. For the sake of your steadfast Love. Their faith remembers who God is as the covenant-keeping Lord who has committed himself in love to his people. That hesed love that will never let his people go. You see, I mean, that, that term, steadfast love, can also be translated committed love, unfailing love. It's the Hebrew hesed. It's not the love that God has, generally speaking, for all of mankind. No, this is the love that he commits only to his people. Peculiar love. The love that has a stickum to it. The love that will not let you go. It's the love that the Apostle Paul speaks of at the end of Romans chapter 8 when he says nothing in all creation will separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. It is that love. And so here even at the end, here even knowing that the petitions have not been answered, yet, yet, they remember they remember who the Lord is. For the sake of your steadfast love. 
Because of who you are, redeem us. Because of who you are, redeem us. And then lastly, we see that their faith is persisting. It is persisting. And again, we just read all of verses 23 to 26. Awake, why are you sleeping, O Lord? Rouse yourself. Do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face? Why do you forget our affliction and oppression? For our soul is bowed down to the dust. Our belly clings to the ground. Rise up. Come to our help. Redeem us for the sake of your steadfast love. True faith in the true and living God is a persevering faith. Persevering. Despite the fact that the circumstances have not changed, we have nowhere else to go but to the Lord. Nowhere else to go to the Lord. He is the only answer. He is the only salvation. He is the only redemption. He is the only one who will rescue us. There is no other hope. There is no other hope. And so the sons of Korah, as desperate and even seemingly despairing, these closing verses of Psalm 44 sound and seem, yet they are full of hope they're full of hope you know it's 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 like it's like Jacob on that long night he wrestled with God in prayer and said Lord I will not let you go till you bless me and that's the sense in which you hear the sons of Korah at the end of Psalm 44 we're not letting go till you bless us Till you come back, till you return. We're not letting go. We are going to wait on you. And this is what waiting on the Lord looks like. There's nowhere else to turn, nowhere else to go. <laughs> I was, uh, as I was thinking about this and as I was meditating on this early this morning I couldn't help but to think and to think really with a chuckle actually of what happened yesterday morning at my dad's house we were visiting him over the weekend there in Georgia and uh, early yesterday morning he's in there cooking breakfast and we're rousing up and lights are flickering of course he's still frying the bacon as if nothing's happening we're going dad the lights are flickering. What's going on? He, I mean, you know, he's, he's not even paying attention. I'm like, what's going on? Suddenly, everything goes out. The power goes out completely. And, and so Lori and I and, you know, and, and the rest of us, you know, we're all scurrying. Okay, well, we got to start getting packed, you know, using our phones for lights and everything. <laughs> and my dad just says, well, ain't nothing else we can do. Just sit here and just wait. And he leaves the kitchen, goes in the den, sits in his chair, 
his chair in the den and just sits there and waits in the dark. And then he repeats himself. He says, ain't nothing we can do. All we can do is just sit here and wait. <laughs> and, I was, and I was thinking about that this morning. I was going, wow, there was a spiritual lesson there. Because there was nothing we could do to turn the power back on. The power was gone. It was off. And so for my dad, in that moment, he knew, well, we can only trust Georgia Power. Georgia Power's got to get it back on. So we just got to just sit here and just wait. Now, of course, Lori and I were not sitting and waiting. <laughs> but my dad was just sitting there and just, just, just got to wait for the outside help, the outside power to do what I can't do. And I thought, this morning, like it dawned on me, I was going, wow, there's a spiritual lesson in that. And I'm seeing it right here at the end of Psalm 44. Where, where, where are the sons of Korah turning? No, they're going in the den, sitting in the chair and saying, we ain't got no other hope but God. We're just going to sit here and wait. Lord, you got to return. You got to come back. That is how our faith perseveres. That is how our faith persists. That's how. By the way, his power did come back on after we left. <laughs> Not sure what the Lord was teaching us there, but anyway. Um, so here at the end of Psalm 44, we see a faith that is accusing. We see a faith that's clinging. We see a faith that is persisting and brothers and sisters this this kind of faith is the faith of God's people this is our faith in the Lord this is true faith but it is only in such times as this where God seems to be absent God seems as if he's hid his face he's turned his back that our faith is so tested in, in these dynamics, these spiritual dynamics show themselves as they did in the sons of Korah. But it is the difference, though. It is the real difference between those who have true faith and those who don't. Because those who don't have true faith, they just say, well, good while it lasted, and they go on to something else. It's called apostasy. And they depart. But God's true people, his elect, persevere. They stay the course. No matter what the circumstances are. No matter what they are. You stay the course. Because God keeps us to stay. Let's pray. Our heavenly, holy Father. We thank you, Lord God, for how your word in so many many places and in so many different ways just leaves us with more
of your greatness and goodness. And we also thank you, Father, with how many places that were shown in your word of the various anatomy of true faith, of true faith in different circumstances and especially in various trials. And we thank you, Lord, for the faith that we see in these faithful saints of old, the sons of Korah, a faith most worth imitating for us as your people here today. Because as we have heard already, despite the fact that their circumstances, their great trials had not changed, Lord, they never departed from you. They kept, they kept coming to you. They kept returning to you, Lord. They stayed. They stayed put with their faith and their hope and their confidence fixed in you, remembering the glory of who you are and that for the sake of your steadfast love that you would return. And Holy Father, we trust in you the same. And we thank you, Lord, for the times as difficult, as painful as they may be, that you put us through that do indeed exercise our faith in greater measure and depth in you, Lord, even like the sons of Korah. We thank you for those times because it reminds us of how futile, it reminds us of how temporal life is in this world, in this fallen world, and, and, and how futile the things are that this, fut that this fallen sinful world gives. And at the same time, Lord, it reminds us of your unchanging omnipotence, of your unfailing love toward us, keeping us to keep on to persevere, to not, as it were, let go of you under any circumstances, but to continue crying out, Lord, redeem us for the sake of your steadfast love. And we pray, Holy Father, for our faith in you to be strengthened to, to grow in greater maturity and greater depth in such a way, in such a manner. And we thank you for the circumstances that you've already ordained that you will bring to pass in our very lives that will do that very thing in sanctifying our trust in you. For these things, Father, we cast all our cares on you because you do care for us and you shoulder those cares and you have promised to supply all our need according to your riches in glory by Christ Jesus, even when you might appear to be absent from us. But yet, Lord, we know as you have promised, 
you'll never leave us nor forsake us. So for all these things, we give you thanks for the sake and the honor of Christ Jesus our Lord. In his name we pray. Amen.